Yeah, welcome back. Uh, got another conversation. Got another conversation. This one's a little. Di- <laughs> this one's a little, a little different. It's like I never thought I would be inter- interviewing this person in this capacity. But uh, yeah, so if you've been following along with these, uh, this is another bonus episode that I'm doing in between seasons called In Conversation. Uh, it's hosted by myself, Richie Campchum. I'm also the creator of Mondays, the audio series. So. I'm sure you're familiar by now, though, if you've been tuning in. And yeah, this next guest is is a, is a little bit more special than the others. No offense to anyone else prior, but uh, yeah, I've got my little little sis and my best friend Cindy Cindy on. Yeah, so Cindy, go ahead and introduce yourself a little bit. Hello. Okay, so my name is Cindy. As already been said, I am 20 years old. I'm still in university. Um, I live in New York during these times, which I know is like really crazy. Um, that is pretty much it. I I forced Richie to give me a role. <laughs> so, so yeah, I think that's all that's really special about me. Well, I'll tell a quick little story. No offense. And the person, uh, Penny knows I have a lot of love for her. Um, you know, that she was really a good, good friend of mine and did a great job as Emma. But initially I did want Cindy, my little sister to voice Emma. Because A, Emma is probably the... It's an ensemble cast, but Emma would probably be the main character if I had to pick one. And B, I was like, yeah, my little sis got to be the main character my first thing. Um, but due to, like, we knew the recordings wouldn't really work. I think we was like, yeah, it would just be too much with, because you was only in the area when we were going to record for a little bit. So you only really made it to one recording session. And just with everything you had going on, like, Emma, you probably would have had to commit a little bit more. So we figured it probably wouldn't be a good idea, but you know, still had to carve out uh, two pivotal roles for you uh, in, in Tammy and Faye. You know, we're going we're gonna to talk about those two characters a little bit more. But uh, before we get into Mondays and, and your characters, how have you been keeping yourself busy in quarantine? Um, well, I was, I, I was, like I said, I was in university, so I was definitely focusing on school for a little bit. Saying like a like a British person. I was in university. When I went to Scotland for that literally six weeks, I started calling it university from yeah. then on out. What, what was that show that used to come on, Nick, uh, about like... A house new- of Anubis? Yeah, House of Anubis. I was like, this sounds like some big House of Anubis talk. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, you know me in university. Um, no, uh, I'm in school, university, college, whatever you want to call it. So... I was, for a long time, I had, like, schoolwork to do, and so, I mean, I'm not saying I fully did it, but <laughs> I will say that it kept me as busy as it could, mm-hmm. and now, with, like, I'm kind of getting a little bored with the, I've been out of school for almost a week now, so I'm getting a little bored being in quarantine. I feel like I'm finally experiencing what everyone else is experiencing on, like, a newer level, but I'm hopeful. Hopefully, we'll get internships soon that are soon that are in my um, area of expertise. And yeah, I think I work out. Um, yeah. I've been getting into cooking. I feel like everyone got into baking. Like that was a big thing. Mm-hmm. Apparently, like everyone started baking. Mm-hmm. But I really want to get more into cooking, so I've been doing that, which has been really nice. Yeah, um, you. Uh, you've always been. I would say, you haven't traditionally like you know cook every day because you haven't had to but you've always liked cooking I would say you know just based on life us growing up together like you always seem to like cooking and creating I would actually say you were you're probably the first one amongst me you and Charlie Charlie's our older brother who felt like you had a creative gene because I 
I'll never forget. It was like 15, 12 years ago, maybe. Uh, you were like seven. I don't know, seven, eight. And you made like a bikini. Like, I know that was a wide gap, 15, 20. <laughs> it was like uh, you made like a, you took like a pair of shorts and like some thing and you like cut it up and made it look like a really cool like little bikini, I guess, that you could. That. I, I was like, how did you... I was like, how did you make that? And you was like, oh, yeah, I was just bored and just da-da-da-da. And, like, you're really resourceful what you have, too. So Just it call makes, me MacGyver. It makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I, I noticed that at a, a young age. So um, it's, it's actually surprising. I always figured you would go, you would go into, like, something that, something that felt like more of a craft versus what you major in now. Yeah. I mean, well, I will say, first I will say, uh, if anyone's wondering, that's Richie's proudest moment of me. He brings it up all the time. He's like, do you remember that one time you made, like, it took me in my head. I'm like, yeah, I didn't have a swimsuit and we were going to the pool, so I needed to come up with something. And to this day, Richie thinks that's, like, the best thing I've ever created. <laughs> no, because people making stuff out of nothing is so cool. Like, that's, that's essentially how all the best things are made. Like, you take a little resource and you create something new, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think I really was happy for this opportunity for um, to be in this podcast because, mm -hmm. you know, I've always wanted to dip my toe into like acting and voice acting. So mm -hmm. this was a nice way to like know I was going to get casted kind of. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. right. Um, and so like, but still work on it and take it really seriously because I did take it really seriously. Um, yeah, but I'm a peace and justice major now and I think there's a lot of creativity that can be put in there but I've also been doing a lot of philosophy which I've been really interested in mm -hmm. so I think there's a little bit more creativity opening up sure yeah that's 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 true um we I think our favorite pastime is like going to the movies we've watched a lot of movies together and we always have a lot of like riveting discussions about what the artist or what the director was trying to say, hidden themes. You always catch them before I do. Like, you're like, oh, this this meant that. I'm like, wait, <laughs> what do you mean? He was like, oh, because you don't remember that one time when the character did this? <laughs> In that one scene? No, I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't catch that scene. You know, I mean, I'll be mad. And then I, like, you know, you always break it down eventually, and then I'll follow up, and I'll understand it. Because, you know, I just catch – I some sometimes, for whatever reason, whenever I'm watching a movie for the first time, it's so much happening at once it's hard for me to get, and that's what anything, like even when I'm listening to a new album, anything, I have to think about it more versus some people like can get stuff off first listen, first watch. See, I feel like this is where me and you differ because I feel like you always catch what an album is saying better than I do. Like I, oh, and I never really, when I listen to something, especially if I listen to it like the first way through, mm -hmm. I never really, like I don't know which songs, which song if I didn't look at it and all that stuff. Whereas I feel like you're able to distinguish that better. Whereas like when I watch movies, I'm immediately able to, we all have our little like expertise. Yeah, that's true. Well, yeah, I have kind of trained my ear to that, to where I, um, I'm kind of understanding what's going on and try to pick up themes, at least from the artists that I know are trying to do something thematically on their albums. Mm -hmm. You know, you kind of look for that theme early on. Um, but yeah, so as we mentioned, you, you voice Tammy. Uh, who's a member of the IT staff. And she was kind of a character that I told you initially when I was writing the character, I was like, she's an Oreo. But the more I thought about that, I didn't really like that. It's just such a stupid term. And, you know, uh, well, actually, I'll talk about something happening in, the pop, in pop culture right now later. But 
in regards to an Oreo, which means like a black person that acts white, that just felt, the more I thought about it, it was like, I mean, that's kind of grade school and, you know, like a, that's just a weird thing to call somebody when they're a grown ass person. Um, so really, I just wanted her to be more of a character that she she's trying to appease both sides. You know, she's working for an all uh, an all African American staff, but you know they're they're working uh, amongst mainly uh, mainly Caucasians uh, at their real estate tech company, and she doesn't want to be divisive with some of the other. Uh, co-workers namely Darren are more a little bit more divisive in their approach so a lot of our dialogue is uh with Tammy's dialogue is going at it with Darren which is pretty symbolic of of our relationship you know we you know of course we love each other but we be getting into our spirited debates and all that yeah uh, yeah talk about voice and Tammy a little bit um well I mean obviously there was a connotation of that you know she's like an Oreo or a black person that acts white but I mean I know like a lot of Tammy's characteristics were I guess it's like a, a tell-all were based off me. <laughs> uh, I'm in the middle of something, sorry. Uh, yeah, so I know a lot of Tammy's conversations or like characteristics were based off me. So yeah, I mean, voicing her felt kind of comfortable if I'm not, if I'm being honest, because I, I definitely, we grew up in a very like white area and I like had I had, I did have black friends, but um, even the way I just said that. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, don't doji cat the situation now. Like, <laughs> yeah, I'm like literally doji cat. Uh, we're going to talk about that later, but go ahead. Um, actually, I've familiarized myself with it recently, so I think I'll be good enough up for the debate and discussion. Um, but yeah, it was, it was comfortable because I understand, I kind of understood where Tammy was coming from and I think that's why I was possibly able to play her so well of kind of, you know, liking these like so-called white things. Like I liked One Direction when I was younger, Justin Bieber, you know, things that people were like, those were white. See, that's the thing though. That isn't even like before when I was younger, I might've equated that to acting white. And I've been, you know, like it's all varying degrees of what we consider. And this is, you're not, you're not able to see my fingers right now, but I'm doing the quotation marks where we consider blackness versus whiteness. I mean, honestly, it's just what your perspective is, what you've grown up around and like stuff like One Direction and some of the other things you said, those are ubiquitous things. I mean, those are things that are, you know, my favorite word in the zeitgeist, like popular, popular things. Like it's, it would almost be like, oh, this popular thing, don't like that because that's a because the people that do that are white or that's considered white. It's just, I don't know, it seems very, I think people are past that. I think I definitely have grown past that. I used to be very caught up in it and like just what's considered what and you know who, but once you, you interact with more people, have different perspectives, you just realize it's just what you, what, what you are shown and what, you know, what you've, you've grown accustomed to. And so, uh, but yeah, you, you, you definitely related to the character a little bit. Um, and that's why it was an easy casting choice for you. And you killed it. Uh, I, I want to note the first day of recording, even though the, the recording session did not go well, uh, you, you blew everybody away. Everyone was like, cause no one, for, for one, no one knew you were my sister. And then when I introduced you, well, okay. And no one, we were both like six feet tall. So. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> and, and then they didn't know that you were gonna just be clearly better than everybody at at acting you know because 
you've had the most formal acting training. I know you don't like to say, you don't like it when I say you studied acting, but you have. Like in high school, you were in drama, theater, acting in several plays. No one else had, had did that. So uh, yeah, you definitely stood out apart. And you know, Tammy, I think Tammy was, okay, she, she's reading, she's doing a good line reading, but the character that separated you from us, at least in that first recording session, we were like, well, she can really act, it's Faye. And I've gotten a few messages about Faye, like someone would be like, you remember that message I sent you uh, where my friend was like, yo, whoever is voicing Faye, I wanna <laughs> physically harm them. But it was because you were doing such a good, like you don't talk anything like Faye in real life, but it was because yeah, you were doing such a good job <laughs> of playing an annoying character. You know what I'm saying? Like Faye is purposefully annoying. That's the way I wrote the character. I told you to play it up as much as you can. I didn't even tell you to make that voice. I was like, pick a voice that you just think is annoying, and you picked it. And uh, yeah, so I'm sure. Did you did you have more fun with Faye compared to Tammy? Yeah, I mean, I definitely. I'm not gonna lie. I would get nervous when I was about to play Faye because I think when I, especially when I had to play Faye, I had to be in a certain mindset. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, I had to like, you know, like I feel like that's where real acting comes in because Tammy was a bit easier because I'd read the lines and I'd like, okay, how would obviously how would Tammy say it? But like a little bit of me was in there, so I was like, okay, like what? How would I say this if I was still the way I was when I was like 15, living in Virginia? Um, whereas Faye was just like completely different from me, obviously. Mm-hmm. And so I get a little bit nervous cause I, cause like, I feel like some, and then you would know too, like some shoots we do and the I like, you're like, wow, that Faye was perfect. And some shoots we do and be like, Ooh, you should work on your Faye today. <laughs> um, and especially because sometimes, uh, get, like I said, tell all, sometimes we would record, uh, our mom's house and our mom would be very judgmental of my say and that would you know kind of set me back a little bit in my mind and she was the real person that sounds like Faye she actually sounds yeah. like she sounds I wish I could explain it to you guys she sounds exactly like it's a high pitched like you are surprised a human being can make that sound and you know my mom's gonna listen to this too you know she's told me she's listening to every bonus episode so Shout out, so <laughs> Shout out to your mom. Shout out to your mom. I love you, mom. So she's going, no, love you too, bye. Uh, cool. Um, yeah, so you killed it. Uh, I was very appreciative of what you did and what you brought to the table. Um, but yeah, so what was your favorite moment from the season? Doesn't have to directly involve Tammy or Faye, but favorite moment, favorite episode, anything that you... Um, okay, so favorite moment was definitely, I have two. I think it was when... Um, when we first recorded, because even though, like, like Richie said, it kind of didn't go too great in terms of like, the actual recording, but it was, like, the first, or at least because I know, I know everyone else met up later, but I wasn't there, mm-hmm. but um, most of the cast, majority of the cast was in the recording session, and, like, we were getting to know each other, we were all laughing at all the jokes that were in it, right. and it was a really nice, it was a really nice, like, getting to know the cast. Yeah, yeah. And then the day it released, to be honest, because I was just so insanely proud of you and everything you did, like, writing a script, like, getting people to record it, editing it, releasing it. It was just, like, that is not something most people do in their free time because you guys don't understand how much work he has put into this. Like, I've there's times where I've been like, Richie, it's okay. Like, you know, this is, like, this is 
not not your hobby like I would know you if you could do it seriously you're going to but if more is like I don't want you to like lose sleep and he's like no you just got to do it like he really grinded and I was just I can never be more proud so those were oh man thank you I appreciate you uh, you know how much I love you uh that's 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 great to hear from you because yeah you saw you saw you were the person that saw it the most close up. You saw the days where I was cranky because I didn't sleep much or I was like, I don't know if this is working. And so you you saw all of that. So I, I really appreciate that. And I was there the day, I was there after when he when the we realized the recording for episode one didn't go that great. And I well, saw I that he literally that shattered. I was, I was if I was still seven or something, I probably would have cried. Like if I was still younger, <laughs> I would have cried. But when you're like twenty-four, you just sit there like mm. And you start doing the Cuba Gooden Jr. and uh, Boys in the Hood punch in the air. You start doing, <laughs> start doing that and like really start punishing the air. <laughs> um, you, you're the oh sorry, you're the youngest uh, cast member. You're the youngest by far. Um, twenty, you're twenty years old. Uh, so you, I would say you probably haven't had the same experiences that inspired the show that I've had and some of the other. Uh, cast members in terms of working in that traditional office spaces. Now you've had a multitude of jobs. You've worked uh, for a while now, but can you relate? I'm a master to, of none. I am. What was that? I said I'm a master of none. <laughs> yeah, that well, that's one of my favorite shows. Uh, can you can you relate to any of the themes though? Even though you may not have worked in like that traditional office setting yet. Um, I think I can relate to it just because I've seen, you know, I've seen it a little bit on TV. I've heard of it through you and like our parents. And so I think I can relate to it to some extent. I could, there's definitely moments where I think a lot of other people, like when we were doing our first reading, not that I didn't find funny. It was just like, uh, they've got the jokes better than I did. Cause they're like, oh my God, this is such like an office setting. You know, someone makes like cracks that type of joke. Um, but I definitely found it funny. Like, even my roommate, like, I showed them the trailer, and they thought it was hilarious. Like, when he just, like, knocked on the door, I was like, uh, can you uh, get us more coffee? Mm-hmm. Like, because they know exactly, like, because like, they just think there's certain unspoken rules about the office that, like, everyone knows, but you don't really say out loud. And I think, especially when you work there, those are heightened, or, like, you know them better. Mm-hmm. Um So I will, I will say I didn't relate to all of it, but the stuff I did understand from like um media and film and tv as well as like my own work experiences that mm-hmm. have been like internships in offices mm-hmm. i thought it was hilarious yeah uh any work horror stories you can share without naming names and being specific <laughs> um work horror stories oh yes so i used to work at a gym and this is like this is like not an office at all so this mm-hmm. is just like a horror yeah, yeah, yeah anytime i used to work at a gym um a really like expensive nice gym in new york city uh i really wanted a free membership because it was expensive and nice um as well as i needed a job so i went and i applied got hired whatever and this one day i walk in and i used to work the morning shift so i had to be there by like i think it was like we opened at like 5 a.m so i had to be there by like 4 45 ish to like set everything up and there's just like a bunch of uh, firemen just standing at our front desk and I like I'm going to unlock the door and and they're just staring at me while I'm unlocking the door and I'm like fearful of my life and I just hear blaring like beep 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 because the fire alarm was going off and I think it's because another place was opening up bias and they were like twiddle like 
working with the wires or whatever mm-hmm. and they were like you need to turn this off right now and i was like i don't have the expertise to do that the uh, know all of even where this i mean i'm front desk i am like bottom 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 of the pay grade like i don't know how to do this at all mm-hmm. they're like well you need to call someone to figure out how to turn it off so i'm calling all of my managers at five o'clock in the morning none of them are none of them are answering because they're obviously sleeping and i'm like and like i keep well finally one picks up i'm like um like in my like the like literally a child i'm like the, the fire people are here and um they told me i had to turn off the alarm but i don't know how and they had to like walk me through how to turn off all the buttons oh my and then God. they left is gets worse they left and the fire alarm went off for two whole hours after they left oh my god and, it's like, and like the thing is like in our gym obviously most gyms you have like music playing but because it's a fire alarm they literally it cuts all the music it's just blaring and i literally thought we were gonna close which is so funny and they were like no if people want to come work out they can work out and people just and it's and i think that was the day i realized people were dedicated to working out because people were sitting there working out to a and you i'm assuming people have heard fire alarms like it's blaring loud because you know they want you to get out of the building and people right. are sitting there just doing crunches i'm like wow I <laughs> walked in and walked right back out <laughs> I heard that. that's crazy you never told me this story you might have but i forgot if you did wow that it is was, it was one of the reasons why i was like oh my god i can never work here again <laughs> oh yeah i would have oh yeah i uh i there's no way i unless i really needed a workout that day and i see i'm not one of those people where i need to work out every single day if i get in four or even five days five days a week that's a good week uh, some days, I'm, some weeks, I'm like, oh, two or three, that's all right. So I would have definitely said, no, nah, I can't. Me, I don't like loud noises blaring. I don't like any noise that makes me, is too loud or makes me cringe. I'm not for it. Like, I just, I hate, it's random, but I hate the sound of, like, chalk on a on a chalkboard. Just, oh, yeah. Well, like, oh, I used to, my least, I'm even just, like, like, squeamish about it. My least favorite sound is when, like, Sharpies on papers that squeak. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I can't, I can't see us, but we both, we both doing neck curls right now. Uh. That is the worst sound I remember because in like third grade, I think I had this friend that like always had sharpies, uh-huh. and she really did that one time, and I almost like I had like a gag reflex. Like I was like, yeah. don't ever do that again. Yeah, and I get like goosebumps when like certain sounds or this little things. I don't know. It's weird. I, it's a, it's a I feel like a, a lot of people get like that. Like there's a certain sounds that like you hear and it's just so unnatural to the human ear. You're like, right. oh no, don't ever do that. Right. Uh, as as I mentioned before, you uh, you were in theater in in high school and you acted in a few plays. And again, we you're as big of a movie buff as I know. You're the person that got me into being like a movie buff. So where does your, where does your love for your theater and, and, and film kind of come from? Um, I think I actually was thinking about this the other day. Um, I think when I was younger, I think I always wanted to act. Well, when I was younger, I was like a really tall, lanky girl. So like my, our mom tried to get me into modeling. I don't know if you remember that when she was like seriously trying to get me into modeling. Hold on, don't arm. You wanted to do it. You was like, you really? No, well, no I mean, yeah, I wanted to do it. I just meant like, I was going to say my mom, but he hates uh-huh. when I go my mom. Cause like, oh, yeah, my yeah. Mom say too. R, say R. Because she, she stays saying my mom, my dad, my mom, my mom. My, 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 my Richie, you should be talking to me. My Richie told me, I was like, yo, I'm, I'm Richie. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm so possessive, yo. <laughs> I know, they're, they're mine. Um, yeah, so I just remember when I was younger, I'd watch, like, movies, and I'd watch uh, TV, and 
you know, I feel like a lot of kids when they watch movies or TV, especially if it's something inspired by something, they're like, if they watch a movie about doctors, they're like, man, I want to be a doctor or like mm-hmm. whatever. And I think when I was younger, I'd watch them. And instead of being like, I want to be that like character, I was like, I want to be the person acting in that. Like I want to, cause I just thought it was so beautiful how they showed, showed such a range of emotions. And, to, mm-hmm. and I think it's just really interesting to physically like take yourself out of something like mm-hmm. It's the only time you can ever stop being yourself and like getting paid for it. And right. I just really love that about acting. So I think that's why I was always so like inclined to it. That makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. We spent a lot of time. I mean, countless. It's, it's count, countless hours watching TV and movies and, you know, more. I, I would say, I, mean, I don't know what other people's households are like, but it felt like uh, at least us two in particular, uh, Charlie didn't watch as much TV, but we were obsessed with TV and movies. And, you know, we would like schedule times like, yo, we're going to watch this movie at A. We'll look up HBO. Oh, this movie comes on HBO in two weeks. Yeah. So we'll look, we'll look oh, up. Yeah, we well, would. Actually, Charlie did used to do that. He was the one that put us on to that. Like, we would like look up and do you remember that one? You might not remember. One summer, we were staying over at our uncle's uh, and Charlie created like a schedule for. Do you remember that? He created yeah, schedule movies we was going to watch that whole summer. I mean, we was literally looking at the TV. Because back then, I don't know if you can still do it now. I don't have cable anymore. Just, you would, like, scroll. You, would, like, you can see, head. like, uh, what's coming on three weeks from now, or four weeks from now. And, like, we created, like, a whole... Back when people were so scheduled. Remember that? Like, now you can't. Like, Netflix gives you so many options. I know. That's when you literally uh, had, like, a very limited amount of choices of what you were going to watch. I the way it was back then. I almost like you telling me what to watch. It's, a, it's like a quality control thing. Now it's just too much. It's so much. Most yeah. of it, a lot of it's not good. You know, of course there's good content now, but it feels like we've passed peak TV. It doesn't feel like people are trying to make the best quality things. They're just money grab all over the place. But yeah, like, so it kind of is the way we grew up. We, we were just obsessed with film and TV, but you carried that over into just, you know, the order you got, you retained it. Because yeah. there was a while where I didn't care for TV, movies, anything. I mean, I was in my heavy basketball phase and then I was really obsessed with music and I, I don't know why like I just did not care for film and then one winter I came back home you know as I did every winter break for uh from school from college and you was working at the movie theater yeah like I said guys I've had a lot of jobs master of none of them <laughs> and you got like y'all, y'all was able to you had the hookup thing where we could get free movies and we ran through so many elite movies that winter. Yeah, that was this, that was the year where La La Land, Arrival, Fences all oh, came out the same same year. Go see all. I didn't see. I, I forgot which movies they were. Anyway, yeah. So you see, as you can see, we watching like Oscar worthy prestige films, and I just fell in love with movies again. I was like, this is that magic that I had when I watched movies as a kid. I rediscovered it. And yeah, ever since then, like four years ago, we've just been avid moviegoers. And I, yeah, was that, not that. No, I think it helps when you actually go to the movie theater too. Like, I mean, like I now I see why people say like the movie theater should never die because obviously it's getting expensive and that's like not cool. Mm-hmm. But um, I another summer for his birthday, um, I got him two birthday presents because I'm a great sister. But um, 
one of his birthday presents was a movie pass. I don't know if you guys remember that, but that was the best thing that ever happened. That was like two summers ago, right? Yeah. And we literally went to go see literally every, like, hereditary, last, um, I almost said last Black Man in San Francisco. Nope. <laughs> I haven't seen that yet. Black Klansman, like, all the great movies of that summer, which was Blind another spotting, good. Blind. Eighth grade. Yeah, which was a great movie uh, summer as well. And we saw all those movies. And, like, it's just, like, the joy of it is that, like, you don't know what's going to happen. Because I feel like you see, you watch a trailer, you maybe get a little bit on, like, Wikipedia or whatever, um, IMDb. But you just genuinely are going into the movie and you just don't know what's going to happen. You can't fast forward. You can't look away. Um, and I think that is the joy of going to the movie theaters. Right. And that's the joy of movies. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you... You know, obviously, as I just mentioned, we consume a lot of film and TV and theater. You know, I'm sure you, uh, in New York, you, you go to plays. Um, and so, but I mentioned that you, you've acted in your, uh, in plays. And even when you were younger, when you were used, when you used to do ballet, that was performance. That was very yeah. much performance. So I'm sure a lot of your passion for it derives from that experience as well. Yeah. When I recall those, those are like mini plays. They're like musicals, right? Dance, then, oh, this is so cute. Dance, like, especially, like, ballet and stuff like that. I mean, they tell stories, and it's, like, you're telling stories through movement instead of, you know, through talking. Yeah. Um, and I think I think ballet is beautiful. Yeah, um, y'all would play, y'all would practice all damn year for that one recital. Like, y'all would, one recital. <laughs> one, all year for one recital, mm-hmm. but, hey, but it worked because come recital time, I, I, I could see why Beyonce Homecoming was so... Because when you practice all year for one performance, it's about to be flawless. It's going to be flawless. Yeah. You know what I'm like, I can see why. Because I'm pretty sure, like, most artists don't do that. Like, they, you know, they just go on tour and, hey, do a little little bit of rehearsal. But, like, when you rehearse, I, have you seen Beyonce's Homecoming? Like, they rehearse. Uh, yeah, of course. <laughs> Outlessly for, like, a year. And it's considered one of the best performances in modern history, right? But when I recall, like, mom dropping you off and picking you up for ballet, uh, and it would be like way, like, let's say like ballet started in September, you wouldn't have your final performance until May. And I used to think as a kid, like, son, they did, like, mom used to take her to hella practices just for that one little ass. But y'all was, like, you guys were flawless with the movements, and even as little kids, y'all, y'all just weren't out of place, you know? And yeah. it makes sense uh, that to be excellent at something at that level, you got to put in a lot of effort for maybe just one little moment or one little thing, but that's how you get excellency. And yeah. So what, so, you know, what's your experience younger from performance acting in high school, you obviously went to college and you're in New York uh, art, the art Mecca, but you've got so many other interests and again, peace and justice and you're an excellent student. So you pay a lot of attention to your schoolwork. You don't have as much time, but is it, is this something that you maybe want to, get back into especially after Mondays like acting potentially Uh, yeah I definitely think I've like recently found myself kind of browsing at like casting calls (laughs) like especially during quarantine I'm like you know what let's who I feel like it never hurts to try like uh I've definitely after doing Mondays I've enjoyed it a lot and I kind of remember why I wanted because when I was fun fact when I was in high school I wanted to go to school for acting um and I just decided against it, not saying it's a good or bad idea, not saying I was, like, great or I was bad. I just was, like, I think I'd rather get my education in something else um, while still maybe focusing or working on acting. But I still to this day watch 
um, plenty of like, you know, TV shows, plenty of movies, plenty of plays. And I'm like, wow, I really wish I could do that or I could be in that spot because I just would love to see how it feel to act in that. So I think, yeah, I think I might start dipping my toe in if you guys see me any on the big screen soon. <laughs> yeah, I, honestly, um, and I'm not an expert by any means, but maybe film school, like you want to be a director, it's probably imperative you go to film school. But yeah. acting, I don't think you need to go to, to acting. Like, I think if you, it's one of those things where you can, and maybe not even film school anymore because of the advent of like people being able to, someone made a great point of these kids growing up on TikTok, if you're 10 and you're already learning how to edit and shoot and, you know, be creative. Yeah. Just with more resources and with all the technology at hand, you don't need those formal institutions anymore. And so the more you do it and, you know, you've gotten a lot of like offbeat training and you've you've gotten some formal training with your theater, you've done voice acting now. Um, Yeah. So like, I think just you, you keep building up little experiences like that. I'm sure there's plenty of people in New York that like doing short films and like, will cast and they probably don't have money to pay a professional actor and say, hey, any student actors or this, that, and the third want to be in a short film or a video or something like that. And so I think there's plenty of opportunities to, to gain experience and get better at the craft without, I think you made a good choice is essentially what I'm saying. I don't think you needed to do uh, acting in school. Cause yeah, as, as I mentioned before, you, you've got a lot of wide ranging interests. Um, actually, I'll actually segue, you, so you, you mentioned you're a peace and justice major. You, yeah. no, no more poly stuff? No, I'm a double major. Double major, peace. Okay, I was like, am I breaking something I'm not supposed to say right <laughs> now? I'm a poly sci. Like, yeah, no, I'm also a poly. Mom's going here. It's all right. Okay, so you're still poly sci, peace and justice. You are going to talk about the state of affairs with a couple things. But in okay. particular, you're a poly sci major. Um, what are your thoughts? I don't know if you heard it. What are your thoughts on... Biden saying if you if you have a hard time choosing between him and Trump that you're not black. Um. Okay. It's funny. I was conversing with this with a friend, and not like I think yesterday. I think it kind of goes back to what we were saying earlier about there's no one way to be black. Mm-hmm. Um. I okay. This might I might get crucified for this. I see what he was saying in the sense of like. I do and I don't like. I see what he was saying in the sense of like. If you're voting for Trump, you're just like, in my opinion, you're just not like a good person. <laughs> but, but like, I don't think you should put, because especially because there's always been pressure on the Black community to vote Democrat, even though necessarily the Democratic, um, like, party, political party, yeah, mm-hmm. thank you, um, hasn't always necessarily done what's good for the Black community. Like, neither have. I'm not saying the Republicans have done better. I'm just saying neither have prioritized the Black community in the way they like to think they've prioritized the Black community. And I think because the Dem- the Democrats aren't the Republicans, people automatically assume that they're better. And it's like, like in some cases, yes, but it also, that shouldn't excuse them for not prioritizing the Black community, the Spanish community, just any, like, um, especially the way that we've dealt with... Um, race here is we've kind of made it through class so like especially just like not dealing with like the the lower class community um so i think i i mean biden has said so many inappropriate things that like he said that and i wasn't even surprised i was like okay sounds like something honestly biden would say at this point it's unfortunate because I think we're choosing between two really like unfortunate candidates. Like <laughs> that's a good way to describe them. You know, <laughs> say idiotic evils. Like, it's like, unfortunate. Unfortunate. Like we 
unfortunate. <laughs> um, because, I mean, you have Biden, who I think, um, no offense to him, likes to ride the tail of being on Obama's administration, even though he has a very bad history of, of doing, um, like, acts or whatever in the government that were opposed to Black people. And then you have Trump, who, I mean, I, if I have to tell you Trump's track history now, I don't think you've been paying too yeah, much attention. Literally, uh... If we have to tell you Trump's history, you've literally felt you found a, a rock. You found a few rocks to sleep under because you've been, <laughs> I mean, not not just hiding under a rock. You've really been Patrick Starr been with the rock. Like, you've really been like, where's a rock? I don't want to know. Like Trump has dominated the public conversation for the last five years. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, so- his his what he was saying was definitely inappropriate i think i think i i think i know what he was trying to say but i still don't agree with what he was trying to say i guess what i was trying to say um i don't necessarily i'm not saying like oh what he was saying was right but i think he was saying like you know if you're voting for trump who doesn't care about black people then like what's wrong with you but i'm like okay but what is your track history like you act like you're over here high and mighty like i'm not saying it's like Bernie said that'd be okay, but if Bernie was, you know, Bernie's very much shows that he's cared for every community in America, especially those people of color and or lower class. So, and Biden has not done the same. Mm-hmm. So I don't think he has the right to say, like, what defines us as Black and what doesn't. Yeah, it's a classic case of message versus the messenger. Yeah. First of all, like you said, Biden, no, you you don't get to tell. For, no, I, no white person can tell a black person who is black versus on anything. You know, you or not just white. Like you can't. And I couldn't tell a white person this makes you whiter. You know, when you when you walk every day in a certain in certain shoes and you're a certain race, I'm not gonna tell someone who's Asian. Oh, if you or you know off the wall example that is probably maybe offensive. I don't know. Uh, hey, you're in Hong Kong and you don't support the Chinese regime. You're not a real Hong Kong. I don't know. Like I, it just, it doesn't, it feels uncomfortable to say because how can I place anything on their experience? So yeah. regardless of if we know there's only two candidates, right? We know it's, it's going to be Trump or Biden. We know. So it is very much black and white in that sense to where you have to pick one if you choose to vote. But it's not black and white in, verse, in regards to the scope of everything going on. Because, yeah. first of all, he, he said that in response to Charlemagne asking, what are you going to do for the black community? So he deflected. He deflected. He's, oh, well, what am I going to do for the – well, if you have trouble picking between us two, then you're not black. So already you offended us saying, if I have trouble, like, just don't even – don't let the word black come out of your mouth unless you say reparations or something. You know, like, unless you're talking about something constructive. Don't say it, you know. Two, you deflected a question which goes to show you don't really care. You're just saying I'm not as bad as that guy. So you don't, you know. And so not to mention, as you said, his track record. You you know, you were huge on the, in the, on the war on drugs and having a lot of people locked up. And so I always thought about it, though. Like, what if who, you're good. who's, like, the most revered person maybe in the black community? Like, what if Beyonce and Jay-Z were like, Yo, if you have a hard time picking between such and such, you're not black. Like, what it? What I mean, it, and like, I don't think people would have taken it as as 
like badly just like because i mean i've definitely seen i mean this is all probably inappropriate with me but like you know jokingly if i if i see you know i don't know if you know those like quintessential black people in the trump like when he ever has his uh like his speeches or whatever mm-hmm. he'll like have and it'll be the same black people that are behind him mm-hmm. like being like trump 2020 mm-hmm. and you know i'm always like they built different they ain't they built a little bit different from the rest of us yeah. but again like you can't have not saying it's more it's appropriate for me to tell someone who's black and who's not but it's definitely not appropriate for a white person to tell us what defines us as black and what doesn't right but he also shushed a woman who asked him. Like, I just think he, like, his way of deflecting questions is to be rude, which I just don't, is not appropriate. Like, you know how in 2016, the way Trump was able to gain a lot of ground was them saying, well, they're both evil people. I guess you're just picking a certain type of evil between him and Hillary. Like, that was a great tactic by them because Hillary wasn't nowhere as bad. But with the Biden and Trump, obviously Trump is worse in my opinion if we're calculating a scale of goodness, which is a weird thing to do. But man, like he's like, <laughs> dude is not a great guy. <laughs> so it really, you know, it does give you some pause. Um, I, I, I'm not going to say what I'm going to vote for because it just feels weird. But I think you can, uh, I think anyone listening to this based on Mondays, you know, uh, a lot of my stances, the purveyors of gentrification, who I'm probably going to vote for. I'll say it's Biden. I'm going to vote for Biden. But I'm not, and and it goes to say, uh, it's not that just the fact that, uh, you know, when you're black, you feel like you have to vote Democrat. A lot of it is, yeah, the Democratic, it's more so, would you, in my opinion, I'm voting almost as, would I rather subject myself to somebody who may not do the most to to uplift me versus someone who is purposefully trying to to drown me in that sense you know so maybe someone who's not offering me a paddle or something or a life raft and i have yeah. to figure out a way to get out of this versus someone who's pushing my head down and like <laughs> son no, i'm trying to roll out drown you <laughs> you know and so it's probably not a good analogy but no, i think that was actually a, a perfect analogy yeah, and so that, that's kind of the way I, I view it. But still, those people that are not giving you the life raft, they don't have, I feel like sometimes they, they, they almost feel that they've, they've garnered enough, they've done enough and garnered enough and done enough things where they, they can kind of throw those opinions on you and speak for you sometimes. Yeah, because, you know, it's very dangerous because I think that's a good analogy because the people that didn't give you a life raft or, like, maybe they, like, hold the paddle out for you, but, like, mm-hmm. not really. They're, like, here, mm-hmm. you know, or those are the people that think they, they're, like, well, I didn't try to drown you. Mm-hmm. And you're, like, okay, but that's not the same thing. Right. Like, right. there's a difference between not trying to drown me, mm-hmm. not helping, and helping. Right. Um. So another, so that was obviously the huge thing that happened in the cultural conversation uh, these past couple of days. But another one, which we, we mentioned earlier, was uh, the Doja Cat controversy. You know, Doja Cat is one of the newest superstars in music. And we were talking just the other, maybe two weeks ago, I can't recall, my sense of time is off in quarantine, uh, about the, like how female rap is, and female rap, that's weird women rappers is, are killing it right now. And it's, it's probably the best time for that, that the fact that there's multiple women in rap killing it right now. And of course, one of them had to shoot themselves in the foot. <laughs> Just completely shoot herself in the foot. 
I mean, I have, want, you, have you, are you, you, you say you were caught up on it. What are your thoughts on, on her situation? So I just want to preface. I was the biggest Doja Cat fan out of probably most people that I knew. Mm-hmm. I was in her top 1% of listens and I wouldn't even fully like, I just had like her top hits just such on mm-hmm. a like continual replay that mm-hmm. I was like, wow, I love you. Mm-hmm. Um, when I first heard about it, the first thing I saw is when she wanted like, or where she said the N word in like this chat and mm-hmm. that one I was, it's, I'm not gonna lie. Are, right? yeah. yeah, I was kind of confused about it, cause like, wow, like, I just, because I was like, wait, she's mixed, and she said the N-word multiple times. Mm-hmm. But then, and so I thought that was the only thing that came out, and I was like, okay, this doesn't look right, but I'm not, I don't see why we're canceling her. But then I learned more about, like, her being in white supremacist group chats, and that's just, like, not okay. Like, that is far from, and I think someone put it, put it the best, where they said, it's not about her being in white, well, it is about her being in white supremacist group chats, but it's not indirectly that, that like, it's the fact that she tried to benefit from the black dollar so significantly, yet is putting down, like, is it literally in white supremacist group chats three, like, two, what was it, like, six days ago? Like, these weren't even old things where, you know, people are like, this was a long time ago, I thought differently, like, this was six days ago. Yeah. And you are consistently trying to put, like, trying to benefit off the Brock dollar. Seisha was an old, like, disco mix where she's wearing an afro and all that stuff. And and it's, like, it's sad, honestly, because it's, like, Doja Cat, your mix, that's also your heritage. Like, you don't live as either or. You live as simultaneously. You're not either Black or white. You are both at the same time. And, like, you're putting down your own culture partially and it's unfortunate because I think she had so much potential and I think you know I would hear the way she talks and I kind of liked her about some of the stuff she talked about but that's I mean there's just a lot of, and I'm not a very big fan of cancel culture but I don't know if she's released a statement yet I haven't saw that but um deleted all her tweets I think but I think that that is disgusting and inexcusable and like if canceling is what it takes then so be it but you know I'd hate to see say to see her get canceled maybe just because I liked her so much but it's definitely like there needs to be consequences for your actions okay I'm gonna play devil's advocate for a little bit uh hey so did you know I don't know if you were aware of this but did you know her her dad left her or when she was young so yeah she had no connection I know that she had no immediate connection to the black community which that doesn't change anything for you huh um it it's um, it's really unfortunate because i think yeah like she probably especially because she's relatively light-skinned like she's she's really light-skinned uh-huh. so she probably feels more connected to her white side than to her um like black side but i think for me it's unexcusable because i think when you go like i don't think that was a conversation she openly had like i think when you go and you're trying to play towards especially the rap she was doing was trying to play towards you know like megan the stallion you know like kind of like when you try to just gain the black dollar yeah almost like a ratchet style and not i don't mean ratchet in a bad way but ratchet as in like a uh you know originates from a more southern and relates to that certain aesthetic a ratchet aesthetic you sure um, Make sure not to co-sign that. <laughs> <Cool>. <laughs> Whatever. 
what you said what you said. So, yeah, I mean, like, whatever you want to call it. But, like, you know, and so you come out of things with, like, Juicy, say, so you're collaborating with multiple Black artists. Majority of the artists that she collaborates with are Black. It's, like, I'm super unfortunate about her childhood, but it's, like, you can't, like, you can't play both sides. And, I mean, technically she did and she could, but, like, now you're looking at the consequences or repercussions of doing that. So, because she is a white supremacist, which sounds sounds so crazy to say out loud, like, geez, like, you a white supremacist. She absolutely has to be canceled, right? Is there, is there any redemption for her? That's why I said, I said, you know, I said, if, can, if canceling must be it, then then be it, it must, you know? Like, if if she's like, you know, guys, I was in here six days ago, so that clearly means those are my opinions, and you're not going to change my opinions, I'm going to be like, okay, don't you care? I'm literally never going to listen to your music again, obviously. And, um... But we wouldn't accept her apology because it was literally six days ago. It's not four years, three, two yeah, weeks. Yeah, I, mean, I don't really know I what don't she think the culture would have, she, I think that's why she had to lead her. She literally has to disappear for a while. And then, like, months later, come back with a statement. Like, on some, remember when Aziz Ansari got accused of sexual assault? Yeah, I do remember. He, like, disappeared. He didn't, re- he didn't make any public statement. He didn't send out an apology, I don't think. I may be wrong about this. He might have said something. I think he did send out an apology. Yeah, then you're right. Did. Uh, he did. He did say something. But then he didn't do anything public for like a year. Then he came back with a, a special and he apologized again in, in, in a format where you can actually see the apology. She might like put out an apology this week, but then just not do anything, promote her music, anything for a while. And yeah. I, <laughs> I just kind of, what do you do with that? Like, I guess you're right. Like, how do you kind of, because it's like, what do you mean? Like, sorry, now that you guys have shown me the light, it's like you I, you were aware of all this information six days ago when you were mm-hmm. in. Like, I I honestly thought she was going to come out and be like, it was a joke. I'm not going to lie. And I know that wasn't going to be an appropriate response whatsoever, but I really thought she was going to come out and be like, hey, guys, like, I joined them as a joke. Like, on some, like, t- like stupid Tyler, the creator, like, bullshit yeah but like you know like how like tyler says tyler wouldn't do that obviously like i'm not trying to dismiss tyler but you know what i mean like say something stupid like that yeah but um yeah she hasn't done that and i was really surprised um so i guess she wasn't she definitely wasn't joking then okay so here's my whole thing though if we all acknowledge which i think you probably have to if doja cat is a white supremacist she has to be canceled, right? It's like, wait, we're not accepting anybody who's a white. You believe white people to be superior, even if you're black and we know your your past history with your father. Um, do you listen to Kanye or is it different with Kanye? I'm not, okay, fun fact, I was actually going to say this earlier. I actually caught myself listening to two Doja Cat songs before I even realized that I was listening to Doja Cat because I also, when it happened, I don't know, I disengaged myself really t- relatively quickly. Um, and maybe that's because, again, my, like, love for Doja Cat. So I was kind of like, no, I love Juicy. I love Say So. But the other day I was like, um, I was like, hold on. I'm listening to Say So. And I think, I mean, I think it depends, like, one, I, I listen, I love Doja Cat, but Doja Cat, I don't think made as monumental music as Kanye did. Two, I, I think you find a lot of people that still don't listen to Kanye. I did not listen to Kanye for a while after his remarks about, um, 
um, with just hanging out with Trump, his remarks about Black people, saying we should abolish the 13th Amendment. And honestly, when you, when you even look back at it, you're like, man, I'm really choosing to listen to this man who said we should abolish the 13th Amendment was the amendment that came So why, why can't you listen to him still now? Like, why do you, and you choose, think, you choose with streaming, it's like you choosing to pick, pick last song. I think it's just his music is so monumental. I think it's really hard. I think it's the same thing with, like, I don't know who's going to nah, If it's the big R, don't say it. Don't, no, no, no. Oh, no. We don't listen to the big okay. R's music. I was going to say, I think it's the same thing with the big R versus Michael Jackson. You know, I feel like a lot of people are still bumping Michael Jackson's music mm -hmm. just because even though whether you believe it or not, and I know some people do, some people don't, mm -hmm. I even think the people who still believe it still kind of listen to his music. I mean, one, he's dead, so I think it's, and the, most of the allegations, well, no, most of the allegations came out while he was alive, but like the documentary came out after he died, obviously. And I think he also made such monumental music. You're like, how do I not listen to this? You know, I know people who no. still watch House of Cards, like rewatch House of Cards, because it was such a, fantastic tv show now personally i don't but i think it depends on like your artistry level kind of like how much are people willing to separate the music from the artist like i doubt people are willing to do well actually chris Brown has a lot more fans than i always i always like i'm like he doesn't have that many fans but oh, he had look he has a lot really of fans. well he's doing really well um but you know like i think obviously it also depends on the level of your your crimes like you know mm -hmm. big r r kelly you know blasphemous <laughs> okay but big mike if if okay if big mike did it same thing <laughs> no that's what i'm saying i'm saying it's the same thing i'm saying like i'm saying it depends on how like my like how instrumental your music was to that time like is it like is it the class because like like for instance like it's difficult it's very difficult to separate the music for the arts but like for a second we just talked about michael jackson's music was one of the most like crazy music to ever come out to the point that it's still playing to this day same thing with kanye west you know like beautiful dark twisted fantasies considered one of is in the top i think it's in the top 50 from the 500 rolling stones best albums ever it's like it's like say what you want about kanye but it's some of the best piece of work that's ever been released so i think when you have someone like don't get me wrong i like you know the graduations i believe i can fly they were bumping, but, the, you know, it wasn't too, we got other graduation songs we can sing, you know? He wasn't the only gospel person out there. <laughs> okay, so you're pretty much saying if you're big enough and you're good enough, we don't care. No, I didn't say we that. We care, we care, but all right, we'll give you some time and then we'll get over it. No, but like I but you may not I'm be saying, saying it, but you're indirectly saying it. No, well, well, first of all, I didn't say that was necessarily for me, but I was saying that people are more willing not to get over it, but they're more willing to separate the art from the artist. Because I don't think anyone is gonna like, I don't think anyone's gonna cast Kevin Spacey again, but I think people might still watch American Beauty. That's very different. I, I'm saying I think people are more willing to separate the art from the artist if, if your artistry is more great. If you're a that's, relatively that's wrong. that's that's wrong. That is a wrong. No, it's not. No, it's not a good thing at all. And I wonder why. Like I, I'm, you know, it's wrong, and I say that's wrong, and I even fall victim to it. You know who my favorite artist is. I've said yeah. it on this podcast multiple times. Kanye is my favorite artist. 
Right? Yeah, no, I mean, I'm like, I'm just, yeah, I think it's, listen to them. <laughs> I mean, but that's the way it's always been. And like, I, I think there's very few people truly that are really willing to like, like, you're not going to sit here and tell me that everybody, no one's ever going to watch a Harvey Weinstein movie that he's ever produced again. Cause he's produced some of the best movies in Hollywood. I'm just trying to figure out. And that's the main reason with cancel culture as like, we're all being hypocrites, right? You know, where we're all being hypocrites. But cancel culture is also a good thing. Cancel culture is kind of a direct offshoot of the Me Too movement. And yeah. without the Me Too movement and cancel culture, people would have never been held accountable for their actions, like for a lot of the stuff they've done. I think I think the the reason the issue that I took with cancel culture was not the fact that people were being canceled. Like that wasn't my issue. It was the fact that how quickly people would have been canceled with information that wasn't necessarily the most reliable. Like I think you saw a lot of people just like quickly cancel someone, even though like and like statements will come out later being like well, either that was a lie, that wasn't true, that happened years ago. Or, like, you know, I mean, not saying that happened years ago is a great excuse, but do you know what I mean? I think there was just, like, a very – cancel culture, it was too quick to jump to canceling someone immediately. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what becomes dangerous because you really have to, like – and Diljic has a bit of an exception, but – and, like, especially with things with sexual assault are also a little bit, bit, bit of an exception. But I think – yeah, I mean, you just, I just think you had a lot of people, like – can't be canceled so quickly over so many things and i don't think you really i i think it's unfair to cancel someone without hearing oh, i'm so sorry it's unfair to cancel someone without hearing their side of the story at least a little bit before you make your final conclusion yeah i um i'm, I'm just i don't know like it's such a i just don't know what to think what to it's art and people because if you look at it most people, right? Just think of the people you know, just everyone you know. We, mm -hmm. Everyone, every human is flawed, right? Every human is flawed. Oh, yeah. Right? And almost so, all, and, all the great humans are flawed. And, and, and then when you think about art, like when we, and maybe this has more to do with the end of celebrity culture and stand worship. Why are we worshiping? And I'm not saying I'm necessarily worshiping, but I heavily admire people that make great art. Why are we doing that? And it, it has more to do with society putting people up on pedestals that we know they can't. The only way you can essentially not get canceled if you don't ever reveal anything about you, you're super private like a Beyonce because we don't know anything about you, right? Otherwise, if your life is in public, you're probably gonna, and then obviously there's varying degrees of that. There's abusers uh, like the, and rapists like Clinton's and uh, R, R. Kelly's and they allege Michael. I don't believe it. Uh, and then there's, you know, like people who just have hateful views, like a Doja Cat, which we put that into context of everything she's been through and not excusing it, but you realize there's a flawed human at work here. I've also been hearing stuff that she might be on drugs too. So that's another thing that. Yeah. I mean, a lot of, I used to watch her Instagram lives and I'm, I don't want to assume anything about anyone's personality. Right. That's what, it's just a theory out there. Yeah, because I personality where most people think I'm like drunk whenever they because I I I'm always all over the place, mm -hmm. um, you know, laughing, having a good time. So I don't want to assume anything, but like there has been speculations. People she's been on her Instagram lives, and she does say things in like wacky where you're like, mm, mm -hmm. you sure you fully there? <laughs> right. So I'm almost getting to the point now where like unless you've done something truly heinous like a R. Kelly or a Bill Cosby or a Harvey Weinstein. 
And then even again, as we just said, he's produced some of the great, it's like, Oh, I don't know, <laughs> like you know. Um, but what a what a what a what a Kanye, right? Like we put it in the context of Kanye's done some great things. He's had the the moment where he did the Bill Cosby or not Bill Cosby. Um, uh, George Bush doesn't care about black people, right? Or a lot of people in the culture liked when he snatched up Taylor's mic because he's standing up for a black woman and black art, right? Yeah. Uh, and then he's had his not so great moments in the public eye. And then we put it in the context of Kanye's being diagnosed as bipolar. Kind of not saying this is excusable and you should act this way. He's lost his mom, who's like his person. Uh, you know, and he's just dealing with uh, just being in the public eye all the time. And a lot of that is he wants to be in the public eye. He likes attention. But it's just everything is, has a lot of nuance to it. Cancel culture in and of itself is too quick, like you mentioned. And honestly, I just think we're all damaged people and we support what we like. And if we like something enough, we kind of just brush aside and we'll consume whatever that art is. I don't even think there is a separate, I don't like when people say, oh, I'll separate art from the artist because it allows you to like something. It allows you to say that for something you like, but then when it comes to something else, it's like, no, I don't separate the art from the artist of that. You know, like, exactly. so it's like, it's like, it's so subjective in that sense. Whereas I, what happened? Uh, I was like, whereas I think what it really should be is that it's not separating art from the artist is that if I like it, I'll look past it. That's what it should. That's what people should say. If I like it, I'll look past it. Yeah. No, I mean, I definitely agree. There's been like, I mean, you know, the big two people in peace movement, um, Martin Luther King and Gandhi. I mean, Martin Luther King stepped out on his wife and Gandhi used to sleep in the bed with like small girls to prevent it wasn't Gandhi like a legit racist like he did not like oh yeah he started off in South Africa and he was he was just mad that he was being discriminated against but didn't really care that like the darker skinned um South Africans were being discriminated against but you put that in the context of yeah and I always I always put that and I think that's what is so important is that rather instead of separating the art from the artist you just look at them wholeheartedly like and I think that's why I might be able to listen to certain things because you know, I'm, and there's certain things that, like, you know, like, I just have a really hard time separating from, like, I personally don't think I'm ever going to listen to R. Kelly's music again, just because I have a really hard time separating his artistry, and I think that's partially because he's, um, yeah. So I think one thing, I feel like, I feel like R. Kelly's the most canceled artist of all time, in terms of, like, everyone can agree. Okay, you know one guy. Bill Cosby. True, but it's different with a TV show. It's easier to cancel a TV show. It's like, okay, I'm not going back to watch the Cosby show. You know what I'm saying? They even pulled it off air. No, but like you said, people, he's canceled, but people are like, a lot of people know Miramax produced all these movies. Like, I'm watching that movie, sorry. Miramax produced <laughs> Paid in Full, which is one of the most loved movies in black history. You know what I'm saying? And he produced weird movies. Like, if you look at his, like, producing list, it's mm-hmm. kind of like some of, some of the greatest mm-hmm. movies ever and then some of the, like, worst movies ever. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is the only Quentin Tarantino film that's not produced by, um, by Harvey Weinstein. I know yeah. for sure people are watching every Quentin Tarantino film. Fiction, Hateful Eight, Django Unchained. Tarantino does not, is not in that list. He's hated, but people still consume his art or art he's attached to. R. Kelly feels like the one person, like, all right, can we all come together for him, though? Like, we not rock with him? 
think it's well I think it's partially it's a mixture of thing I think R. Kelly's a special case because he's especially I feel like he's especially um canceled because he wasn't canceled originally we had to like yeah. add the extra cancellation yeah. the because, episode like wait what are we doing <laughs> yeah i think I'm, i really feel like because i feel like i mean i think as a i mean i didn't grow up really in that time to like have the wherewithal but i don't even me being young be like yeah i eat on a girl mm, like how do you say that and be okay with that and like so, that's something i knew as like relatively young and didn't even think of it as like a bad thing and then I think, and you had a lot of like, you know, black women, black people being like, why would you cancel R. Kelly? Like, he didn't do nothing, even though there's video proof of him doing something. <laughs> like, um, I'm telling you, he was so good at R&B. Niggas did not, like, like, he, like, I know we just, you just said, okay, Michael Jackson is the king of pop and Kanye's made some of the most. I mean, yeah, he made amazing But R. Kelly was making. I mean, it's not like people well, are going to stop listening to Aaliyah. He produced all of Aaliyah's AJ number number. Yeah, and like he people like till this day, like last year I heard uh ignition in the club. In the in the you know what I'm saying? Like I heard ignition like people still look, look at you like you lucky they can't see you right now. Like you still doing the I'm fresh out the kitchen. So I mean I don't know. You, we could talk about this. For I think hours. it's just, it's really, I feel like it's hard because, okay, another thing is like, it's dehumanized. And like you said, it's a little bit easier to cancel. It's, I've, I think it's actually the opposite. I think it's kind of easier to cancel music because you just don't have to listen to it mm-hmm. versus to cancel like, because music is so plentiful. Like I was thinking about it back to the other day, I was like, man, there's just so much music. I think it's harder to cancel music you like, like I was saying, music that has great artistry. But I mean, I think if I went a month without listening to Doja Cat, I would like not think to listen to it again, you know? Yeah. Um, but that- I R. Kelly, I just feel like he got double canceled because he never got canceled the first time. So we all were like, we have to really, like really wholeheartedly cancel you this time. Yeah, and then he got, and then him getting the documentary special um, was the nail in the coffin. Like, him getting that documentary, he would still be, like, mildly canceled. He wouldn't be, I think he's, like, 100% canceled in the same way Bill Cosby is. Um, but had he not had that documentary where you, some things, I guess, you just have to see, and then who he was doing it against, the most vulnerable people, he was just abusing young black women. You know, he tru- truly, he was like, okay, this dude is evil. Like, you know, like, I think most people... Whereas, like, a Doja Cat is like, can we really say she's, like, can you say she's evil to her core? Yeah. She's a white supremacist. Is that evil to her core? Is is being white Um, I think, it's so hard to say, really, like. It's hard. It's it's just so, like I said, I just think of everyone as, like, do I think what she did is okay? Do I think that makes her an okay person? If she's been thinking like this for a long time, I think that makes her a person but I don't think I just have I just think very few people are genuinely evil and I think you have to talk about people regardless of who they are almost and I mean like everyone right. even some of the worst people in multitude of contexts because then you're not really allowing for the whole story right I almost look at it like there's variances to it like you said the truly evil people right like the Hitlers and uh shoot even the Bill Cosby arc like y'all are evil if you're doing that to people people that are legit harming people 
Right. Just like, for example, Hitler's a great example because people talk about Hitler and they're like, Hitler was a terrible person. And obviously he was. But like then people also don't talk about how Hitler was one of the best speakers of ever because he was able to influence an entire nation. And granted, they were coming right after World War One, and um, Germany was just trying to rebuild its nationalism anyway. But to like really convince an entire nation and like, and not saying singularly him, like obviously there's people behind him, but he was a face of it. That you have to be, uh, and people have transcribed his speeches and been like, yeah, this is one of the best, just like, um, like just in the like the linguist way, like the way you said something, the way you carried something, it's one of the best speakers that could ever exist while simultaneously being one of the worst people to have been known to the planet. Right. And so you said you put people like that in the evil category, right? And then I just think there's people uh, like white, white supremacists, they're, they're, shoot, if they're not evil, they're just really terrible people. And I think that's, I think we're all on that degree of maybe not pure evil, because pure evil is like literally like something satanic is in you, you know, like, and we, we may, and shoot, we may all have that in us, but unless you're a saint. Um, but in regards to the people that are not just pure evil, just wait, we're all, I think we're all varying levels of uh, terrible people versus maybe you're just a piece of shit or versus you're an a-hole versus you're a decent person, good person, great person, you know, like, and yeah. it's all subjective to what you care about. We obviously care about our race and black people. And we deem if you're like against that to where you're a supremacist, a white supremacist, obviously I'm going to think you're a piece of a piece of ish or you're a terrible person or maybe even evil. I may even view you as evil. I would for sure anyone who's in the KKK or anything like that is evil. But then there's people that might say, okay, well, you turn a blind eye to everything that's not about black rights, you know, or, and I have to look at myself in the mirror and say, wow, why don't I care about other issues that people yeah. are deeply going Especially off? as a black person, you tend to think um, there's a hierarchy of, of trauma, of, yeah. of stuff that happened in America. So you're like, okay, yeah, but like, have they been through slavery? And it's like, well, no, obviously that's one of the worst things to ever happen, but you can't also dismiss that they're going through something in terms of just being a person of color in America. Right. Definitely something. I just think this, these last few years, um, since the dawn, I think they're just going to call this the age of Trump, honestly. And <laughs> yeah, I, really I mean, love that because he doesn't care how, but he wants to be the most influential person. You know what they say? Any press is good press. And I feel like uh, he's taking that. Wholeheartedly. Trump, I think it's, it's what's re what it's really doing is revealing a mirror and it's placing it on everybody. At first he wanted to just say the people that are on his side are terrible people, but then it, but then for the first time in a while, you start to look at yourself in the mirror, how you may have, uh, have an attitude or what you're doing about it. You know, a lot of people are talking and are doing anything about it. And yeah. so I don't know, it's, 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 it's a lot of self-reflection and hopefully we all come out of it and even more so in quarantine because quarantine is nothing but idle time. Most of it, and you, you really spend a lot of your time pondering and thinking. And so, uh, yeah, I think what more smart people in poli-sci and peace and justice, such as yourself, we're going to be okay. Yeah. People that are going to, you know, be future leaders in this world. We, we, may, we may be all right. So appreciate you coming on and talking with me today. We're obviously going to talk 
we talk all the time way more off air but in terms of having a formal conversation thanks for keeping it pretty formal i think i don't think we got into too reckless of banter like we usually do <laughs> yeah i mean i was really first of all i forced him to do this with me because i know he was doing it with a couple other people and i was like where's my so yeah as a, as i told you i was gonna do with you i just i wanted to get penny out first because it just it, it felt good it felt right to do her first since she was she voiced the uh, relatively the main character yeah relatively the main character but and another reason I'm like, i can talk to you anytime and we talk so much sometimes i forget oh we got to do our conversation thing you know yeah. so it's different uh but yeah thank you thank you for coming on of course thank you for including me in any part of your project you know i know i kind of force you but it is no, really, no, it does feel really nice when when I'm included. You're attached to everything. And even if you're not directly, you're always indirectly. Uh, so, you know, I love you. And even if the production title's not about my name as well. Oh my gosh. Uh, stop, stop. <laughs> stop, stop. Uh, before, before, before you uh, head out, uh, real quick, let them know where they can find you on social media. Oh, okay. So on my Instagram, I don't have a Twitter, I don't know I never got one when I was supposed to and I feel like it's too late <laughs> but um, my Instagram is Cindy Camped KMT and I think that's pretty much the only thing you can find me on um, but you post anyway yeah I mean I, I, I post if you just want to see my life I feel like I don't really post anything too special it's just about me being stupid with my friends and my family yep, um, yep, being a young a young person in the world figuring life out if you want to see what it's like to be quarantined in New York City, then you can follow me. I got to hear about it, <laughs> about all her, her escapades. But uh, all right. Thank you, Cindy. Love you. Uh, we'll Love talk to you more. Guys for tuning in. Bye.